Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dope Shit My Therapist Says, a therapeutic wellness podcast hosted by Ryan Gaddy and Lauren Fractor. We are two millennial therapists who enjoy having authentic conversations with real people who share their experiences and passions with a mental health twist. Conversations that inspire discovery of self, insight into deeper spirituality, and alternative ways to support mental health and wellness. As a reminder, this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only. All topics discussed on the podcast are from the viewpoint of our guests and their personal experiences. Information shared on the podcast is not a replacement for therapy, therapeutic advice, or medical treatment. Today on the podcast, we have Jeff Gunther, LPC, a therapist in Portland, Oregon. He has been in private practice since 2005 and primarily treats individuals and couples that feel anxious in their relationships and struggle with existential anxiety. Jeff is one of the creators of Therapy Den, a progressive and inclusive national therapist directory. He spends his spare time posting daily videos on TikTok and Instagram that educate people on mental health topics in a fun and concise way. He thinks he's hilarious. Follow him at Therapy Jeff. We had such a good conversation with Jeff about attachment styles, and I wanted to come on here and put a little disclaimer that all attachment styles are unique and interesting, and we are not shitting on any of them. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Hope you enjoy the episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We're dope shit therapy pod. That's D O P E S H T therapy pod. Well, we're so excited to have on Jeff Gunther today. We, to say we're fans of you and your work is an understatement. I think I'm fangirling a little bit just because, you know, it's always nice to connect with other therapists and other people in mental health. But then when we see like content, that's super relatable to our work and our work with our own clients, because uh, Ryan and I mainly work with millennials, teenagers, so Gen Z. So it's just been really nice to see you on social media and all your platforms. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here and excited to talk to you too. It was it was just recently, actually, like maybe like four or five months ago that I started the TikTok account, um, even though I've been a therapist for I don't know, what, 18 years. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And your videos are super fun. And, and like I said, relatable. And I just joined TikTok myself like a month ago. And funny enough, Welcome. you were one of the first people on my uh, For You page. So I was like, well, this is great. They already know that I'm a therapist and that this is the content I want to see. That um, algorithm is pretty amazing. I know they're spying on us, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jeff, where are you from and what is your professional title? What do you do? I grew up in Santa Monica, California, um, really pretty beach town in, in LA. And that was uh, good. Um, I enjoyed growing up there. Lots of fun stuff to do. Um And then after high school, I went to Santa Barbara City College because I um, got like the worst grades you could get in high school. So I had to just like go anywhere that would take me. And so City College, I spent a couple of years there. Then I went to San Diego State University and I got my degree in child development because my plan was to be a preschool teacher. Uh, And I was a preschool teacher for a year until I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, (laughs) I love the little kids, but it was was just not like as challenging or I don't know. Um, And then I went to grad school at USC in Los Angeles for marriage and family therapy. And right when I finished, like right when I graduated from USC, I moved up to Portland. So I just wanted to get away from LA and Southern California. I spent all my life there. Um, it's a wonderful place. Is it? I don't know. It's, it's a horrible place. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to leave. Also, my family was there and they're great, but like not that great. So also wanted to just sort of like go somewhere. I didn't know. There was like a friend that I had in grad school that was from Portland. And I was like, I want more of you, that type of person in my life. So came up here and right, right when I got here with my master's in marriage and family therapy, I started my private practice because in Oregon, you can just be like, I'm in private practice with your master's degree. You have to have a supervisor and stuff. You have to like set that up for yourself. Um, but I started right away. It turned out that it was, uh, uh, was, I was not ready at all. And, uh, had, uh, I did 
I was a bad therapist, <laughs> not the great, like just not super confident in my therapy skills. Uh, so from there, I like, I decided to stop doing the private practice after just a few months. Um, just didn't feel like I was that great at it. And I uh, became a crisis counselor at a crisis line where I got a lot of training in how to um, talk to folks that are wanting to hurt themselves. And then I was a middle school counselor for like a year and a half. And I love those little middle school turds. Uh, like they're so cute. And I was amazing at Uno and I destroyed them every single time. So I felt really good about my UNO skills. And I also taught parenting classes uh, during that time. So um, that was really fun. I did a lot of family therapy where I actually like went to the kid's house to do family therapy in the home, which is like wild. And you get like so much information. Uh, but then it turned out that I started to like hate parents, which is really my own shit that I really... but. I was like, I can't stand these parents anymore because like, they're the ones that need to change. So tried again to start my private practice, just seeing individuals and uh, folks in relationships that are mostly like, you know, twenties and thirties. So, uh, and, and it was from there that like a lot of the folks that I was seeing happened to have a lot of like anxiety or an anxious attachment style. And I was like, I guess this is what I'm going to be focusing on. And then for the next whatever, many years, I've been talking to mostly people in their 20s and 30s about how they feel really anxious in relationships. So that's my story. I love it. It's very similar to mine, surprisingly. So mm. Lauren and I are both marriage and family therapists. Um, Lauren just recently got licensed and I've been licensed. Um, it's going on two years, I think next month. Uh, nice. But all three of us are from California. I disliked California and peaced out and moved to Connecticut and have been much happier since. But I also was an in-home therapist for crisis mm. and families. And it does give you so much information, high burnout. You definitely dislike a lot of people at the end of it all, but <laughs> it prepares you so well educationally and just confidence wise to handle things. But yeah, I don't think I could have done it if going straight into private practice out of school. I think, I mean, even going into what I did go into, I was still like, oh, I suck every day. I was like mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. Um, so I think that changes I, a little bit over time. I want to pop in and say, Jeff, I was also a preschool teacher for a year before I started my oh, master's hey. program. Um, I've also done in-home family therapy and, uh, used to work at a high school and Ryan currently works at a high school. Now I'm just in private practice. So I wanted to throw that in for our listeners just to say how connected the three of us are in a very strange way. But um, yeah. I can relate to some of, some of that, those experiences. Um, and I'm in LA currently and Ryan's in Connecticut. So oh, where are you in LA? Um, in the Valley. Oh, nice. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in the Valley. My dad lives in the Valley with my stepmom. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like it. Um, I mean, I love it's too Portland. hot. It's too hot in the Valley. It is hot. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I like the heat. I also went to school okay. in Arizona, but um, I love Portland. Portland is one of those cities that I don't really have anything negative to say about it, except for the weather can be a bit gloomy for me, but I'm glad that you, you know, found a place that it seems like you really enjoy and that you're yeah. um, working with individuals with attachment, which is what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we love that you're doing attachment stuff because I, I think we talked about this on Instagram. It's such a hot topic right now. It's becoming so widely talked about in just like normal language and people kind of relating to those things. And I think anytime someone can have like a title or a description of what their experience is, it like really helps them kind of connect more to themselves. And one of the things that I really liked about your TikTok videos is that you're showing a positive side to the attachment styles and not just kind of like, oh, if you're not a secure attachment, like that's the goal. I'm curious, can you describe attachment style for our listeners that don't know anything about it? Yeah, I think you're right. It is kind of like, it's a, it's sort of like a, it's very pop psychology or it can like go into like pop psychology places where it's fun to figure out like, all right, there's four attachment styles. What am I? And what does that say about me? It's almost like it's our astrological sign or something. Um, so there's uh, 
four different types of attachment styles and they're called like um, romantic attachment styles because it has to do with how we literally kind of like emotionally attach to our partners. And it's, uh, and we can maybe like talk about this a little bit, but your attachment style, folks kind of believe that our attachment styles are really heavily influenced by our family childhood experiences, which I agree, but there also seems to maybe be like some sort of like we're born with a certain type of temperament. Maybe we kind of like already skew one way or the other. Um, But the four different attachment styles are, like you mentioned, there's a secure attachment style and we're all jealous of these people and secretly hate them. And they're incredibly boring. Right. Uh, But like boring in the best way possible, I guess, uh, where they can be in a relationship and they can uh, usually typically like express their emotions um, freely. They can feel like they can count on their partner and trust them uh, pretty easily. They can set healthy boundaries. They can ask for their needs to be met and they can let them, you know, their partner know when maybe they're feeling a bit overwhelmed. Um, they know how to like hold space, emotional space for their partner. They kind of act as like uh, an anchor or, uh, and, and that's one way to sort of like look at these partners is Stan Tacton. Do you know who he is? He talks about like attachment styles as well. And he calls the secure attachment style the anchor because they can be like really grounded and stable and secure um so this is also kind of maybe like the parent like if you had a parent who had a secure attachment style they would like meet your emotional needs when you're a kid they would reflect your feelings they would let you know that it's okay to have emotional experiences they would let you know like oh you're probably feeling anger you're probably feeling jealousy you're probably feeling rage or insecurity and they'd be like let's feel it together let's like let's let's experience this and they also um so they met your emotional needs and they probably also met your like basic needs of like feeding you making you give you shelter clothes um making you feel like physically safe secure um and then there is the anxious attachment style and i uh identify as that some you too <laughs> Uh, And the anxious attachment style, they are my favorites. Um, They, as, as you know, just like it sounds, they can be more anxious in relationships. So they might be like, quote unquote, more needy or more clingy. They might be like asking for validation and reassurance. Like, do you love me? Do you care about me? Do you want to spend time with me? Like, when are we going to see each other? Let's have sex. Like, let's be more cuddly. Let's be more affectionate. They're, they, they sometimes or a lot of times can kind of like blame themselves and be like, oh, I feel horrible for being this needy or they a lot of times have the story of like, I'm an overwhelming person. I'm going to be asking for too much in relationships. Their parents um, probably like made them feel safe physically cared for those basic needs are met, but the emotional needs were either not met or were probably just like sporadically met. And it's not because the parent or caregiver was a horrible parent, although it very well could be that. Uh, it might just be that like the parent was super busy and had a overwhelming job or was a single parent or caregiver, or they just didn't have like a lot of emotional intelligence. So they didn't quite know exactly how to like reflect back or you had a sibling in my case, in my case, I blame my older sister, uh, who just was like really a lot, <laughs> uh, who would like want the attention and like, you know, put on skits and was like always like asking for praise and reassurance. And it's not because there's anything wrong with her. She just like wanted to get that attention. She's now a stand up comedian that like literally has the spotlight on her. And that is what she lives for. And Maybe I'll let you decide if you think she's funny or not. Um, I'll send you some YouTubes. Uh, so that is an anxious attachment style. And then there's an avoidant attachment style. Also very sweet. Love the avoidance. Um, but the avoidance are like, maybe they don't have as much emotional um like resilience or capacity or desire to like really process things. Uh, If they get like emotionally overwhelmed, sometimes they just like shut down or shut off. Um, They want space. They sometimes can uh, have a hard time connecting in relationships because they just sort of like can't emotionally go there. Their parents uh, probably 
met their needs uh, emotionally, but maybe like didn't meet their needs physically, like the basic needs. So that's kind of like how they developed their thing. Uh, but they're, they, they have insecurity in relationships, just like the anxious one has insecurity in relationships. It just sort of manifests in kind of like opposite ways. And then the fourth one, uh, which is really not many people have this. You're a very special snowflake. It, like maybe like two or three or four percent of the population has a disorganized or fearful attachment style, um, where you're sort of like best of both worlds from the anxious and avoidant folks. Where like you can feel really anxious and you can also feel really avoidant. So it's kind of like they really want to be close. And they want to feel connected. And then you sort of offer them that. And they're like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, what? I don't know if I can trust you. So it's like, I really want to trust you. Oh, here's the trust. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to trust you. Where like the parent didn't meet their physical needs or their emotional needs. And they were left, you know, kind of maybe like a little traumatized by that. I mean, we're all traumatized in all these different ways. But um, they really didn't get a lot of needs met. And so they're like left craving it, but also not knowing how to like handle it. And those are the four attachment styles. That was really helpful for those who are unfamiliar with them. Um, how do you identify which one you have? I, I do have the book attached, which is like, I feel like the most popular attachment book on the market, unless there's something else I don't know. And um, I actually pulled it out today from my bookshelf and I only got halfway through. So something in me stopped and just didn't want to continue. Um, but how would you identify which one you have? And I don't know if there's like, I'll let you speak on that. I mean, yeah, that book, you know, it's a, it's a bit pop psychology, but it's so easy to read a lot of times. And it like explains things in very like concise, digestible ways. So it's not a bad idea to just like buy that book, download that book, start reading the book. You'll get a, like a really good understanding of where you are. You can even go to their website, like the attachedbook.com website or something where you can start like taking the quizzes to figure out. And I've, I've taken the quizzes and like sent people to take the quizzes there. It's actually pretty accurate. I feel like it does a pretty good job of like identifying what your attachment style is. But even if you're just like Googling it or talking to therapists about it, or even just like listening to the way that I explained it, you're going to like feel like, oh, that's me. And it's going to kind of like uh, the explanations will probably resonate with you pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Can you have more than one, like a blended style? Um. Yeah, I think that like what from what I've seen is that like we usually kind of like default onto one um, where we sort of like have a baseline of one attachment style. But depending on who you're dating, uh, there's like different people that can bring out different parts of us. So we might be like I slide mostly towards the anxious side but I can go all the way over like towards avoidant. If I have, if I'm dating somebody who might be like even more anxious than me or me or even more overwhelming than me. Uh, and I can go into like deep, deep anxious attachment style. If I just feel like I'm not really like getting what I need or I'm dating somebody who's more avoidant. So I, it, to me, it seems like there's more of a spectrum when you read attached or you read like other literature out there. It's kind of a debate. It seems like some therapists and psychologists think that like you are an attachment style and that's all you are and you don't really change. While other people are just like, oh, there's kind of a spectrum that we're sliding back and forth on. I think that it's more of a spectrum, but I'm also like interested. What do you two think? Do you think it's more of like a spectrum or do you think you are one and that's it? So for me, and one of the questions I was going to ask you was uh, based on what I've read and attached and taking quizzes, like I'm secure attachment. Um, but I've noticed, and I know I'm so popular. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, because my needs were met. My parents are great. I was allowed to cry. I was allowed to express my emotions, still am very close with both my parents, but I've noticed how hard it's been in dating. And over the years, I feel this anxious side of me come out. So that's why I'm like, but am I secure or am I anxious? Because I'm secure with all of the other relationships and friendships I have. I can speak my mind. I can set boundaries. I can talk about what I need. But then when it comes to dating, I don't know if that's a partner bringing it out of me and making me anxious. But now I feel like I'm a blend of secure and anxious, at least when it comes to dating. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's a question that I get a lot is sort of like, 
so maybe I'm secure or maybe I'm one attachment style. And then while I start to date people, can I turn into like another attachment style? And I think the answer is yes. Like the relationships that we have with people with our, when we're starting to date and we're starting to get like really close, those are incredibly, obviously important relationships that have a huge, powerful effect on us. And so if we happen to fall in love with somebody that is, um, that sort of like that maybe gaslights us or doesn't give us enough time or energy or makes us feel like we're asking for too much. And if you're coming from a more secure attachment style, you're probably like already pretty good at being like, Hey, these are my needs. This is what I want. And this is how you can meet them. And I want to communicate this way. But if you date enough people that are just like, whoa, calm down. I can't believe you're asking for this much. Then you're going to like start to doubt yourself yourself, and you'll start sliding into more of an anxious attachment style. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I think the early stages of attachment theory were really just about family and how you learn to react or interact in relationships in general. But I completely agree that as we start to date our brain and our experiences start to get impacted, it's not just like family relationship interactions. It's like now romantics getting added to that, like clusterfuck and it can kind of impact where we're at. Um, so I, I completely agree with that. And I think you can kind of slide back towards secure more so as you have more healthy relationships mm-hmm. and interactions with people, although I feel like it's much more of a struggle. Um, but yeah, I would say probably I'm more anxious and sometimes avoidant. I have mm. a mom who's a therapist who is actually not a very good um, emotionally available person Me too. and a dad who's completely <laughs> avoidant. Completely. So, but as my anxious, anxious attachment style, I will say that like, I fear asking for what I need and I fear even voicing the, the neediness. So instead I just kind of like, but you know, I think that's the avoidant part from my dad of like, I'm just going to people please. And just everything's cool. Even though inside I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's the thing. And so with anxious attachment folks, which is like primarily who I typically see, because like those folks from what I've seen and what I've experienced in my private practice is like, they're more motivated to go to therapy. <laughs> the avoidance might be like, that sounds like a chore or a little much, right? Secures are like into it, but it's the anxious folks that are being told that they're being too needy or crazy or clingy. Um, And they also like are probably pretty good at talking about their feelings and emotions and identifying them. Um, And there's this thing that happens a lot of times with those anxious cuties where they, even if they just sort of like express a very basic emotional need that they want to have met in a relationship that is like, fine and we should all express it's it's going to feel like it's too much (laughs) because if you're somebody that's always focused on the other person and meeting their needs then anything you ask for for yourself is just like oh my god this is i'm I'm being like way too needy and too clingy and and you're probably like not going to be able to meet this need because it's not because you're not focused on them and you're focused on yourself and you've automatically like started to think that like whatever you ask for is selfish um, so that's a lot of the therapy that I do for the anxious attached folks is like, kind of like letting them know, like, nope, that's fine. You should get your needs met or like, you should speak these things. You should speak up and all the things that you're asking for are completely normal and typical and healthy. Um, and going back even just a little bit for what, when, what we were talking about. Um, yes, you can be affected by your parents. You can be affected by your siblings, other people in your family and other people that you like start to date and also your friends and your friend group, especially in like middle school and high school. If you're in a friend group and your like friend group starts to like say that like you're the turd or you're like asking for too much or you're like wanting to hang out too much or something like your friends can start to make you feel like there's something wrong with you and your attachment style can start to change there. So there's so many different relationships and stages of life where like you can be affected. And it kind of seems like your attachment style is always on that spectrum or sort of in flux as you continue to live your life. 
Yeah. With teenagers, I could definitely see the influence of other people changing or influencing their attachment style. Um, what is there like a percentage of like people that fall into one category more than others? And also what would you say are some of the pros and cons just in your opinion of each of these attachment styles? I'll tell you what the percentages are, although I don't think it's right. <laughs> but, but that's just because I'm a therapist and I'm like talking to people that are looking for something. Uh, so they say that up to 50% uh, folks are secure attachment style, which is not believable to me. Yeah, you're both shaking your heads at that. Um, just like with my experience, just like being out in the dating world or like being friends and like knowing people. Um, so anyways, 45, 50% supposed to be uh, more secure. And then like I was saying, two or three or four, maybe up to 5% or like a more disorganized. Have you ever dated somebody who has like a disorganized, fearful attachment style? I'm thinking. I don't, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I think it was more avoidant, yeah, the okay. one I'm thinking of, but mm-hmm. I'd like to hear more about that. Uh, I only have one time because they're like hard to find in the wild. <laughs> um, and it made me incredibly anxious. It was one of the most like anxiety provoking relationships uh, because they they were really hot and cold where like it felt like they were really really engaged and like craving uh intimacy and closeness and then right when you would get it they would like poof just disappear um and it was really it was really hard to handle for me and probably even harder to handle for them but really only like two three four five percent of the population is disorganized slash fearful um and then they say that it's sort of like an even split. Um, so maybe like 25% anxious, 25% avoidant. Um, the thing is, though, when you're out in the dating world, a lot of times like those securely attached folks are partnered long term. So they're not like on the market as much as all the other attachment styles. So you're going to run into more anxious and avoidant. So it feels like there's more anxious and avoidant people out there because the secures are like shacking up <laughs> with their person. <laughs> You've solved all of our dating app problems. <laughs> we all know now what's wrong. It's just saturated with avoidant and anxious people. Yeah. Just, just what we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I will say, I will speak on that just because I have more of that secure attachment. I feel like I'm on an island all by myself sometimes because I feel like I have this foundation and I'm definitely not perfect. And I've talked on our podcast about my dating woes and like just things that I've had to overcome, but it's like, sometimes I'm looking for something that might not actually be there or is like one in a million because of what you just said. So, I mean, that's a little bit validating. I don't know in a weird way. It's a little validating. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I have a few friends that are currently single and are all, they also have a secure attachment and they, describe that feeling of being on an island and um, having just like, you know, they have a lot to offer and they're really good at like intimacy, but all these people are just kind of like coming in and out of their life and they can't, they can't connect to them. Uh, And it's really sad and it's really upsetting. So, yeah. And I think that when I bring that up, a lot of people are just like, okay, something clicks for them. Like that makes a lot of sense. Secure people are usually like in longer term relationships. So you got to wait for the folks that are in secure relationships, wait for them to get divorced. <laughs> yeah. And then pounce. Although once they're divorced, I have that, have that issue kind of recently. It's not going so well with those either. <laughs> <laughs> That's a they're... whole other yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. different podcast episode. Um, but along those lines, I am curious, do you see, certain attachment styles attracting a different attachment style on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, those anxious folks and avoidant folks go together so perfectly because the story that the anxious attachment style is telling themselves is I'm too much. I'm too needy. I ask for too much. And then the avoidant one is saying like, I'm never enough. <laughs> I can never be there for them long-term. And so if they pair up together, they get to continue to reinforce that narrative. And 
sure, we might not want to be like super anxious or super avoidant, but we're expecting that we're going to continue to experience that. So we kind of like magnetize or attract or self-fulfilling prophecy ourselves into relationships that continue to make us feel that way. And we're going into those relationships scanning for that. Like if we feel like we're, we're asking for too much, we're like, okay, um, I'm going to date the next person and I'm going to like watch out for when I'm asking too much because this is just like never going to happen. Um, you're, the question before, Lauren, where you were like, what are the pros and cons? I feel like this is where like the anxious and avoidant folks, there's like a lot of pros and cons. <laughs> And it really depends on like how you look at it, I guess. So if you're more anxious then like a pro is that you're, you probably have like a pretty high emotional intelligence. You are, you know, you know how to please your partner, like people please your partner, you know, how to be there for your partner. They like, they want to be able to connect. And um, if you're looking for a relationship who like, who you want to be with somebody that like really is like into being in a relationship, an anxious person could be for you. <laughs> That's great. Uh, if, and then if you're avoidant, you sort of like are a little more solitary, you do your own thing. You're really into, I don't know, your hobbies or going on hikes by yourself or I don't know, uh, just like working on your job or, um, so if you want to be with somebody who's avoidant, you too can also have a lot of time to work on your creative projects and work on your business and hang out with your friends. I was married to an avoidant for seven, eight years, and I flourished in my business. <laughs> I got so much done and she was just like, high five, go do it. Get out of here. Like, I love it. <laughs> Um, she was supportive and would like, you know, we were, we were able to connect, but she wanted a lot of space so that she can kind of like do her own thing, um, replenish herself, you know, on her own, read a book, go watch a movie on her own. Um, so that was a big pro, but the anxious and avoidance, you kind of have to like, I don't know, I guess just expect that you're going to find each other. And if you go into that relationship and you're like, all right, let's experience this clusterfuck all over again, then obviously it's going to be a traumatic, unhappy, stressful uh, relationship. But if you can go into it and be like, I'm going to experience this as a healing relationship, everything could be different. And you and your little um, opposite attachment style can start to get like even closer so that you're both sort of like going more towards secure and uh, you can like really learn a lot about yourself and a lot about the person you're dating. Is the ultimate goal to become more securely attached? Um, no, I don't think so. Although uh, I think a lot of people uh, are trying to get there. So a lot of times for like when folks are coming in and they're, they have their attachment attachment style, I'm just like, let's just love your attachment style. Let's just like understand it and study it, figure out where it came from, why it's here, how it manifests. And I'm not going to pathologize it at all. Like it is what it is and it's fantastic and it's beautiful and it's how you relate to people. And if you can like let go of the shame or the embarrassment or the guilt or whatever it is, that's attached to your attachment style, then it's probably going to be like a little less intense. And you're going to be able to ask for what you need or let your partner know like how you operate in relationship and things can go a lot more smoothly. Yeah. Speaking to that, I think that was process for me, especially in dating to understand, you know, my attachment style, how that's showing up for me. And, you know, like that, those narratives that you're telling yourself, especially as an anxious attachment of, you know, like no one's going to ever want me because I have too much or whatever along those lines. And then realizing that, that you're attracting the opposite of what you actually want and need, mm. and then trying to be more mindful of the, those processes so that you're healing, like you said, like more self-aware, more aware of the other person and that they might be an avoided attachment. And so how can you guys communicate differently or how can you start to work on yourself a little bit more? Like you're saying to love that portion of you or see it in a different light. And I, my hope is that eventually I'll start attracting non-avoidance, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's, uh, 
it's so funny. It just feels like when you're an anxious and you're avoidant and you're pairing up together, it's like a real test sometimes. Uh, and it's, 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 a, it's, it's a completely different way of relating. It's, I don't, it almost kind of feels like, you know, we have different love languages, right? So there's like those five love languages and some of them are like kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. So for me, my love language is like quality time and physical affection. I want to give that and receive that. I'll feel loved and I'll give love by like doing it that way. And if your acts of service that is so fucking boring to me. That does absolutely nothing. Wash my dishes. I don't care. Pick up food. I could do that for myself. Like this is not loving to me at all. Uh, however, I don't want to shit all over them. They're fine. Something's deeply wrong with those people, I think. But uh, <laughs> I, no, I'm joking. Kind of. It's just that like, I need to understand that if I'm with somebody who's, who's like more of an act of service, when they do those things, they're loving me. Like, this is how they're loving me. This is how they're relating to me. And even if I don't get it, or even that's just, if that's like not my natural love language, I still need to like deliberately try to receive it as love. So if I'm an anxious person and I'm dating an avoidant person, my avoidant person is just like, oh, you're working really hard. It seems like you need a lot of space. It seems like you're going through something. I'm going to give you time to heal. Goodbye. <laughs> That's them being like, well, I'm, I'm allowing you to do your thing. Like I'm allowing you to feel better, but really I like want them to come closer. You, you know what I mean? So it's, you have to like keep that in mind and that's going to be really tricky to do. That put a situation of mine in perspective for a moment. Um, I was dating this guy a couple of years ago and I had a really traumatic event happen in my life. Like I had my dog die and uh, mm. my friend's child die basically mm. on the same day. Um, and I came home from the funeral and uh, he picked me up and I'm kind of avoided in some ways where like early intimacy, I'm kind of like, eh, like, let's put that on hold. <laughs> and um, he told me, yeah, you know, you never hugged me or anything. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then that night he, he broke up with me over text message. And I remember what? saying to him, like, I just had like two major life events happen in the same week and just got home from a funeral and you broke up with me over text message. And his response was, well, I thought it was better for you to like, you know, mm. have me out of your life if I wasn't going to stay kind of a thing. Like, and that makes me think of like, oh, avoidant wise, like he thought that was the right thing to do to kind of not, add, not add another sadness to my life, although not what I wanted. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the those avoidance love to break up over text message. And <laughs> even though I'm more of a anxious guy, I respect that move. I, I don't like that you experienced it that way. That's not. <laughs> but like, if you're like, uh, if you've like only dated a handful of times, gone on, gone on like a handful of dates, shoot me a text. You know, like if we've only done this for like five dates, then I'm totally fine. But if you're more of an anxious person you're just like i want to process this breakup like what is going on how is this why is this happening um so there's that and there's a, there's a lot that like an avoidant and an anxious person can like learn from each other um the avoidant the avoidant it's great if they can like learn to like sit with their feelings and emotions a little bit better and they're going to be able to like have lots of opportunities to do that <laughs> with, with an anxious person who's asking for them to emote or hold emotional space. And then the anxious person, like they probably need to like try to do a little bit more self-soothing, self-care, um, and they're going to have lots of opportunity to do that. So you can like get a little bit more balanced. And that's, you know, I'm trying, I try to sort of like frame it in a way of like, how can this be a healing relationship? So, so there's that. Yeah. I could see that that was what you were doing because, you know, we, this is a really interesting topic and I don't talk about this ever. I don't think I've talked about my attachment style in years. Right. Um, and I don't really know why it's just not something that's brought up. And Ryan made a joke earlier, but I totally see this happening one day about dating apps. And eventually people are going to start putting their attachment styles on the dating apps next to their Myers-Briggs and their astrology sign. And I mean, we're into astrology, so we don't mind that, but like, <laughs> I hope that, I mean, 
I hope that doesn't happen. I hope we don't get to the to the stage where someone's putting their attachment style because that oh. to me is like red flag if I don't like what I see. <laughs> it's happening. And the oh, God. It, it happens in Portland. I don't know if it's like happening in other places. <laughs> so like I was saying, there's that guy, Stan Tacton, who's like written lots of books about like attachment style. And he is saying that like the visual for the secure is the anchor. And then the like little visual for the avoidant is an island. And then the anxious one is a wave and there's like perfect emojis, the wave, the island and the anchor that it's already in your phone. And when I was online dating, when I was on Hinge a year and a half ago, I was scrolling through and I saw somebody had put a wave on their profile and I was like, oh, a wave, like anxious attachment. She's like, yep. Uh, <laughs> and then I started to pay attention to it a little bit more. So when you're swiping, okay. if you see a wave, an island, or an anchor, it could be you are really shaking your head. <laughs> there's so much course. decoding to do. Like there's all of these like yeah. kinks and like just everything. And so you're reading through these profiles, and I need a dictionary. I think Lauren, we should create mm. a dating profile dictionary to read people's <laughs> profiles and just make all the money off of it. Because now I'm not it. Well, what are your, what are your star signs? Um, I'm an Aries and I'm a Capricorn. Okay. I'm a Capricorn. You are, are you December or January? December 27. Okay. January 6th. Okay. Nice. nice. I don't yeah. meet a lot of Cap- moon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't meet a lot of Capricorn males. Oh, really? Yeah, we're amazing. Uh, uh, actually, it, it, <laughs> that it, sounds it, like a Capricorn male. <laughs> exactly. I know. I went into like, I got my like birth natal chart read last yes. week. And I was, Ooh. and she was like, Do you know much about it? I was like, I don't know much about like all of this, all of the stuff, but I know that I'm a Capricorn and I know that's the best. And she was like, <laughs> That's what every fucking Capricorn <laughs> says. Like, you're very on point. Exactly. And I was like, It's true because it's true. Um, but I'm also like, I am whatever i'm like capricorn and then like moon taurus and virgo i'm just like all the earth signs uh i'm like incredibly earthy but if you can cut that with like being a therapist who's like can be emotionally vulnerable like a social worker type healing type of person um then yeah if you're a guy who's a capricorn who's also able to talk about their feelings and emotions you are a catch (laughs) <laughs> truly. Yeah. I mean, seriously, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I was going to ask, um, have you or have clients that are like double anxious? So anxious dating, anxious and avoidant dating, avoidant. I'm curious about that. Uh, honestly, that's the hardest uh, relationship therapy. I have to work so hard as your therapist, I should be getting paid a lot more. Uh, that's what I think. Uh, there's because with the anxious, anxious. Oh my fucking god! Uh, so so much. They're sort of like it. Sometimes it seems like they're trying to out anxious each other. Um, where they're like uh, both assuming that their needs are not going to be met, both assuming that they're being too needy. So they're like kind of apologizing and asking for the same thing. And they're trying to predict each other. They fall into like this over-processing bullshit um, where it's, it's almost like sometimes I feel like being in therapy, like doing therapy and processing that for them when they're both anxious, like it's, it's just overkill. I want to be like, get the fuck out of therapy. Just shut up and enjoy each other because like the amount of processing and anxiety that goes on, they sort of like fuel each other. It's tricky. And then the avoidance, it's like, where's the glue? How did you even find yourself in here? First of all, in therapy, like you, like your family and friends all kind of like forced you into it probably because this was not your idea and it's so hard to get them to like open up with like an anxious avoidant match it's like okay so you know here's like do more of this and you do more of that but if like if you're an avoidant it's like there's not a lot of like I was saying there's just not a lot of glue and so the anxious person can be the glue that keeps the relationship together that like keeps that avoidant person closer to them and if there is no glue then they just sort of kind of float away they might like really understand each other and there might be like a really good connection very early on um but then once you get past the honeymoon stage 
whether that's three months or a year, that's eventually when like a lot of times that's when like your full attachment style is revealed. Uh, so like, even if you're somebody who's like, I'm going to date a secure person and I'm dating this person, like, Oh my God, they check all the boxes for secure. Just wait until you get out of that honeymoon stage. There's high probability that they don't have a secure attachment and that they're like a little bit more one way or the other. Um, so you have to like, after like you're not infatuated, <laughs> then you can like really re- reveal who you are. Um, so like those two avoidance that find each other, um, usually a good match, very good match at first. And then all of a sudden they're not in relationship together. They just sort of floated away. Um, so I, I mean, I enjoy the challenge, but there's always like, I'm working hard with the avoidance to emote and I'm working hard with the anxious to shut the fuck up. <laughs> And, you know, compassionately trying to tell them to like, come, you know, just let's get a hold of this, you know? Uh, so can be really tricky. Do you have any like tips for people on just being more insightful about their attachment style and like their everyday life as they kind of start to build this work either in or outside of therapy? Yeah. I mean, like we were sort of saying there, your attachment style, I think is most prominent in your romantic relationships, but it comes out in certain ways and certain doses in all the relationships. So you'll see it at work uh, and you'll see it in your uh, friendships and in your family and maybe even like in relationship with yourself. Um, You might even like when you're watching TV or a movie or reading a book, you're going to like identify more with the character that's like more anxious or more avoidant, whatever matches your um, attachment style. And a lot of times I'm just like asking people to be like engaged in curiosity of like, okay, so if my attachment style is this, then understand that you're going to be viewing your reality through a very specific lens. And all I really want you to do is just like understand that lens. Understand that if you're more anxious, you're going to be like, like I need, I'm, I'm worried. And you're going to be more, you're going to ruminate more often. And you're going to have more doubt about relationships, friendships or professional or romantically. And it's automatic that you're going to have that doubt or you're going to ruminate. And it's important that you try your very best not to like totally believe it 100% of the time, witness it, just sort of observe it. Don't automatically believe it and try to create different narratives and different voices that you deliberately call on um, so that you're not just totally 100% hijacked by the avoidant or the anxious or disorganized. Um, Because if you're only operating from that point of view and that feels really real, then uh, you're going to get kind of like pigeonholed in it and only experience reality through that. So throughout your day, you know, try to maybe first identify what your attachment style might be. And then throughout your day, be like, I wonder how it's coloring my reality. I wonder what it's doing. And then when you feel like it, just sort of challenge it a little bit and see if you can like think differently. Um, Yeah. So that's what I would suggest. Those are all great tips. Uh, We actually have some listener questions. Um, Just, I'm just, you know, I'm going to put Jeff on the pedestal that he deserves. Um, This is, these are, we asked uh, questions for you and we got the most responses we've ever had, which I I think speaks to you and also this topic. So um, we're going to dive in right now. And um, it's just, we're sharing that Capricorn boss energy. It's fine. Um, Okay. So the first question we have, someone asked, why have I switched between avoidant and anxious preoccupied? Why have you switched? Um, probably because of, well, there's this funny thing that happens where like you date somebody and like your anxious attachment style comes out and they're just like, I can't fucking stand this anymore. And you do this whole like, you know, sort of 180 of like, I'm not going to date that person. I'm going to date a completely different person, which brings out the opposite <laughs> attachment style. And so it's very jarring for like your psyche and for your attachment style. And I, I see that a lot of times happening with mostly people that are anxious because they just like can't fucking take it anymore. They can't stand it. And so they try to go to the other, other end of the spectrum and they sort of have the opposite experience. So I would imagine it's because of the people that you're choosing. The next question you've kind of already answered, but I'll 
put it out there anyways. Could anxious and avoided ever have a fulfilling relationship? They could. And if you read that attached book, I, I came away with it being, with them being like, you should avoid each other. Um, and it's not uncommon for like to read literature where they're just like, you know what, you're super anxious, you're super avoidant. It's just a conflict. I don't believe that. Like I was saying, if you enter with a healing attitude as a healing relationship, you can learn a lot and you can like learn to love your opposite attachment style. Um, so it can work. You may have to go to relationship therapy or be like super curious about how they love you, how your partner loves you. Um, so I'd say, yeah, you can be okay. That makes sense. Definitely. Our next question is a little more general, not um, relating to attachment styles. How do you encourage your partner to seek therapy without pushing them? <laughs> Do you? you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is a really common question. A lot of times my clients will ask me how they can like influence their partner to get into therapy. Um, And I have not been able to answer this question well or be successful. There's like, I think usually what I say is like, you know, it's not, I don't think it's a great idea to be like, you need therapy. There's something wrong with you, like shaming and making your partner feel really bad about themselves. Or like, I go to therapy. You should go to therapy too. Like, it's just sort of, I don't think you should tell your person or your partner to go to therapy. Um, But if you're getting something out of therapy, or if you've gone to therapy before, you can let them know about all the wonderful things that you experience and what a healing relationship it is for you when you see your therapist. If you can kind of like give examples of how like life-changing it has been for you, then you're like set, you're being a good role model and you're letting them know that they could be getting a lot out of it. Um, But I don't know. I don't know if you can like, yeah, you can't really force somebody. How would you two answer this question? Because I don't know if I have a good one. I mean, it's pretty similar, you know, like you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. So, I mean, there, and I feel like with therapy and mental health being so stigmatized still, like it's, it's just going to push that person further away sometimes to Mm. say like, Hey, have you considered getting help? Mm -hmm. Um, So no, I agree. I think just sharing your experience and even just leaving the door open, I've recommended to friends who have asked me this question before, like, you know, ask them if they're open to like doing this thing as a couple where you guys read books together and, you know, we bring in kind of more of these like self-helpy books and see if they're open to doing that and kind of just taking baby steps towards this idea of thinking about it instead of just going straight to it. But also, you know, looking at the word therapy, you could replace that with the doctor working out, eating better, and it's still going to be the same concept of you can only encourage, you can't force, um, and all you can do is like frame it in a way that it's good for them. But uh, we know, we all know that that doesn't really work. And one day you wake up and you decide to do it because it's Mm. happened to me, you know, like I wanted to start, you know, working out one day. So I did. And I go mm-hmm. through periods where I enjoy it and I avoid it and it's just the way it is. So with therapy, I think it's a similar process, but it's a little harder too, because then you have to open up all the floodgates of years of trauma and feelings. And that's hard for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also, I mean, like, think about like why you're wanting your partner to go. Like, do you want them to go because like you would love them more if they changed? Like, are you expecting really big changes? Um, are you just wanting them to go because like you feel like you can't offer them all the support that they need and that they want? So they like, because I think that a lot of times that question comes from like, I will love you if you figure out your shit. It's like, oh God, like, <laughs> I don't know if you should ever count on that. And can you love them for who they are right now? Or do they have to be like, you know, go through therapy in order to, in the, yeah. So I don't know. I think we all, I think we're all right. <laughs> the way that we answered that question. Yeah. All right. Next one. Is it normal to be confused about your attachment style? My parents were very different. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question because if your parents are completely different and treated you completely differently, then like you're going to be influenced differently, which which is going to make like for a confusing attachment style, possibly. A lot of times what I see is that maybe like one parent is like super 
secure and consistent and not, and like there for you. And then there's the other parent who's not as consistent and it's the inconsistent parent that can typically influence your attachment style. Cause that's sort of like where the trauma can, can come from. Um, it's, it's also like, sometimes if there's like a divorce, if your parents get divorced and you like spend 50% with one, 50% with the other, there's like very different attachment styles that are going on in those households. Uh, and so it can make you kind of like flip back and forth. And I think those are the people that sort of like slide up and down the spectrum a lot more easily. So if they date somebody who's more like the parent A compared to parent B, like it depends what person they're dating and what parent that reminds them of, you know what I mean? Um, so you get to experience the rainbow of attachment styles. You're so lucky. <laughs> Seriously. Um, okay. We had like a couple more, but we just chose one more. Um, this one's kind of, it's not funny, but the way that she phrase, phrased it, it just says avoid an attachment help. <laughs> so take that for what it is. Um, that's about all we have with that question. Okay. Avoidant attachment folks get a bad rap, um, I think, because they're the ones that uh, are sort of like, they're not, they're, they have like a harder time emotionally bonding. Uh, and so, and they're also sort of like stereotypically, maybe this might be true that they're like mostly men. Um, and these men like, unfortunately grow up i mean we all grow up in this place in this like society or uh, country where it's just like we revere like we think individualism is the best thing um and that like we should be individuals we should go off and like travel around the world or like start our own business or never count on anybody like it's sort of like if you're an individual and you're like avoidant it sort of like works in this like capitalist society of like, you're just going to like do your own thing and you're not going to count on anybody. So we also like the fact that like their parents influence them to have an avoidant attachment style. And then like the world and society continues to tell them that they should be, that there's something that like is good about that or actually healthy when it's not like super healthy. Um, they, I think have a really hard work to do. And it's hard. And you, I shouldn't compare like the hard work that an avoidant has to do to compare to an anxious, but, it, but I still feel like the avoidant has harder work. <laughs> uh, it's, and it's hard to explain to an anxious person or secure, like how incredibly difficult it is to be an avoidant. You're, you're, you really, really want a relationship just like anybody else. You crave connection and intimacy, but there's something inside of you that just like get turned off or you can't do it. And it's because there's like fear and insecurity that completely hijacks you and you can't access those emotions. It's just not available to you. So you have to like slowly work with that person to open it up and teach them how to like be present with their feelings and name them. It's a whole journey. Um, and I think that we can so easily be like this fucking closed off piece of shit and just like disregard them or dismiss them, you know, and like vilify them or something. So um, yeah, I have compassion for everybody out there who's like trying to connect with an avoidant. I was married to an avoidant and I was like, trying very hard and sometimes super successful and sometimes not so successful. And every time I was like really frustrated that I wasn't like connecting with her in the way I wanted, if I was present with what was really going on, I could like look into her eyes and be like, Oh, she's feeling so much pain and so much confusion. And she's so lost like in her heart. Like, I just, I do have a lot of compassion for them. And I think that we need to maybe have like more compassion for them too. Um, so I don't know, that's my little, a little soapbox, I guess, on avoidance and how we maybe need to be a little nicer to them and including me, I need to be more nice to them too. But, but <laughs> what? when, when do you have the signs that it's like, okay, now it's time to walk away. Cause I think as an anxious attachment, or maybe this is just like somebody with trauma. You you tend to try to get in there and just like, oh, but I'll just keep loving you until 
it's all good instead of kind of turning around and taking care of yourself and saying like, well, maybe I just deserve someone who's able to give back to me what I need. At what point is it kind of like, okay, we can make this work versus not. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I talk about that a lot too, in lots of different ways where like, uh, if you're with somebody and they have trauma and it's being, it manifests in a way where it's like really difficult to be with that person, you can leave. You don't have to be understanding of the trauma and be compassionate and work through it with them or be patient or whatever. You can get out of there at any point. It's totally fine. Um, so there's it's same with like an attachment style and I'll keep on talking about my personal relationship or marriage with an avoidant where like, I am pretty into like working very hard on a relationship in order to like make it work. I know that relationships eventually, once you get past the honeymoon stage or whatever, it's going to take hard work. You have to keep on watering it, blah, 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 all the stuff. Um, And I also enjoy doing that work in relationship. And I think it's really interesting. And there's like so many amazing, wonderful things about my ex-wife where we like, we're totally in sync with our values and um, similar hobbies and music and movie and TV taste and sense of humor. And we were like such good friends and all these like same uh, desires for family or where to live or what to eat. Like so many check boxes. Um, so that motivated me to try even harder. If those things weren't there, then I probably would have, it probably wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. Um, and then when I got to a point where I was just like, Oh, I can see that I'm not trying anymore. Either like I'm not trying anymore and I've pulled away or there's so much anger and rage and resentment that's turned into like contempt uh, that I can't work through. I can't let go. That's like coloring everything. Or there's just like so much sadness and I feel kind of lonely. Um, and, and like I was saying, like, I'm somebody who likes to try to work on all those things. But when I saw that I was like, stop, I stopped really trying hard. Then I knew that maybe that is, that was, that was it. That was the end. So it's, it's your own personal algorithm or equation of like, how much, how, how much are you a good match? Um, how much do you want to try? How much is the other person trying? Have you, are you already like one foot out the door? Like what's the reality of the situation? Um, so there's, yeah, it's all, it's all very personal. The, the, whatever answer you come up with, you know what I mean? Plus there's only so much you can do. And, you know, this conversation today was super informative. I really had a good time learning about more of just the attachment styles. Cause I, like I said, I just, I mean, I know what they are, but I've never really thought about them more than what, what they are, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's more to your life and story than your attachment style. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you were curious and you wanted to know more about, um, this topic, then I hope, you know, you enjoyed this today's episode. Um, but we really appreciate you being on Jeff. Um, do you have any other resources you'd recommend? The, yeah, there's Stan Tacton. I'm blinking on the book, but if you like, look up Stan Tacton, you can like find his books. It's really good. Um, there's that attached book. Um, there's, oh, what's that other dude's name? Uh, I don't know. I'll try to, I'll like email you maybe some books and you can like add it in your show notes if you want. Um, but really just like Googling or looking up on Instagram or TikTok or wherever, there's like a ton of information about attachment styles. It's pretty easy to understand and also like can be like very informative. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. And the most important question, where can our listeners find you? Right. Uh, Duh, of course. <laughs> Yeah, they can learn a lot about attachment styles if you visit Therapy Jeff um, on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram. Uh, TikTok and Instagram, I'm posting usually once or twice a day. YouTube is a little less often, but I can like go into like more deeper in-depth quality content on YouTube. Um, I also run a therapist directory at therapyden.com. So if you are looking for a therapist, you can go there. Oh, and I also produce and sometimes guest host on a podcast called Swoon. Um, It's love and relationship advice. So you can look up Swoon wherever you get your podcasts.
How cool. And uh, the second I found out that you were a co-creator of Therapy Den, I was like, Lauren, oh my God, I'm now even more nervous about this. Because, um, I mean, there's just been a lot of conversations in our community about psychology today and oh, that yeah, therapy then is started, being yeah. pushed a lot more. And I think that's amazing. So oh, I need to you. get, I need to be listed on therapy then. I just don't want to get yeah. started right now. So I'm avoiding <laughs> yeah. it in my private practice. I'm, like, I'm not here. Oh my right God. Now. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for coming on. We really appreciate it. We had a great time. We think this episode is going to really resonate with so many people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And I'm looking forward to staying in touch. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel called to rate and review and share with the people in your life you think would like us too. For more info on this episode, check out the show notes. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at dopeshttherapypod and via email at dopeshttherapypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for more episodes.